0: We just ask you to come and fill this place up with your spirit. I thank you that we can rely on you for everything, that you are our everything.
1: Thank
0: you, Jesus. I thank you that
2: you're our healer, yes. and our provider, thank you, Jesus. and our Father. I just ask now that
0: you bless this time that we're all together, speak to us. Bless the word and the music, Father, in the name of Jesus. I going to read you a passage of scripture just to kind of set the tone for our worship today. This is out of Romans 8, beginning verse 31. A lot of questions here. Paul has already been talking about how God is working all things for our good and there's some bad things and some good things, but it's all going to be okay. And he's talking about how God is working in us all the time. So he asks these questions. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's an obvious answer, right? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? It's a no brainer. It's already done. He's given us all those free things. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Obvious answer is no one or nothing. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, as it's written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, those aren't good things. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. <laughs> we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the reason we come and worship. We're celebrating who He is. He's the one who holds us in His hands. He's the one that protects us and carries us. He's the one that sees to it that nothing can separate us from His love. So Lord, this morning, we rejoice in those promises, Lord. You have... Freely given us all things, and we rejoice in that. We want to worship you this morning, Lord. We want to come into that place where we experience you and all of your goodness and glory. Pour your spirit out on us this morning, Lord. Let us see you and hear you and experience your presence this morning so we can be changed and become like you. You are using all things for our good. You're transforming us in your presence from glory to glory, and you're changing us molding us and making us into your image. Receive our worship this morning, Lord. You are worthy. You alone are worthy. And we give you this time and we honor you, Lord Jesus. Come now and have your way among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.
2: Did you hear him calling you? He's calling you, come. There's a lot of hard stuff going on in life right now. But he wants us to believe that he's our anchor through all that storm that's going on out there. And there's a lot, we all know, there's a lot of stuff. Could be personal stuff for you, It could be in what's going on out in our nation. But God's crying to us, come, because I'm all you need. He really wants to be our everything. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So don't ignore the pull, (laughs) because he's reaching out and begging you to let him be your everything.
0: Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. It's all about your grace, Lord. We, In our own strength, we can't do anything. And yet by your great grace, hallelujah, you've made all these wonderful precious promises that we can do great exploits in your name because of your grace working in and through us, Lord. And it's only as we operate in your grace that we're going to find success in the kingdom, because. It's not by works, it's not by our intelligence, or our hard uh, efforts. It's all by your great grace.
1: Thank you Jesus.
0: And you've poured you poured it out on us freely Lord, and I thank you for that. And yet you've also required something of us that we believe that we receive and that we we know your plan and purpose in our life. Lord, that's that's our part is to to see and know what you're trying to do in and through us and say yes Lord, i want to say yes to you i want to give my yes to you every day all the things that that we deal with on a daily basis going to work and taking care of physical things and checking accounts and paying bills and all that business it's it's all stuff that has to be done, and yet, Lord, you're asking us. You're asking us to put you first, keep our hearts and our minds focused on you. Let you lead us and guide us. Let you be our strength. Let you be our, our everything. We may have enough money in the bank, but it can be gone in a split second. But by your great grace, Lord, you can take nothing and make it into everything. By your grace, you can take our weakness and make it strong. You can take our flaws and you can make them glorious successes, Lord. And you can take everything that we bring to you and you can heal and make it new and change it, transform it for something that's useful for you in the kingdom. Oh, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you don't give up on us. You're always working in and for and through us, Lord. We rejoice in that. We rejoice in that, Lord, that you are always looking out for us and doing good in and for and through us. Let your goodness continue to abound towards us, Lord. I want to see your goodness. It always abounds toward me, but I want to see it. I want to recognize it so that I don't forget that you are always pouring out your great goodness on me. I want to see it every day in everything I do. I want to see your goodness that protects me from harm that I don't even see coming. And yet you protect me from it because you're so good. And when I go through something that is stressful or traumatic or painful, I wanna see your goodness that it's what carries me through and gets me to the other side. It leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't leave me in the middle of it. It brings me through it, Lord. I thank you for your goodness. Times of, of sorrow and loss, Lord, your goodness carries us through times of confusion and chaos your goodness lord leads us times of failure lord it's your goodness it's your goodness that leads us to repentance your goodness is what it's all about lord that's you that's who you are you are good hallelujah thank you lord i want to see you and know you as a goodness the goodness that you are I don't want to worry about all the other stuff. I just want to see you as good. And if, and if I go through hard times, I want to see your goodness. If I go through good times, I want to see your goodness. And when I'm just at peace, I want to know it's because of your goodness. And when I'm going through a struggle, I want to be focused on your goodness, Lord. When I do that, nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. There's no peril, there's no tribulation, there's no sword, there's no famine, there's no pestilence, there's no death. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ when I focus on your goodness, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are here this morning. You're here to touch, change us, Lord. You're here to deliver us. You're here to heal us. Make us new in every area, Lord. Areas where we've, we've stumbled, heal us and deliver us, Lord. Get us back on the right path. Areas where we're struggling physically with a, a physical need, Lord. Heal us. Deliver us, Lord Jesus. Your stripes, your stripes have already paid the price for our healing. You took care of our atonement, Lord. Lord, for our broken relationships, you are you are the great shepherd lord that you lead us right into the into the very best of all that is available and our messed up broken relationships lord you can heal them and make them right because you're the redeemer you are the redeemer and you came to seek and to save that which is lost and that which is sick and that's which is broken And you came to make it right that's your desire lord and so we just say come lord jesus come lord jesus Speak to us words of life. Speak to us words of healing. Speak to us peace, be still. Speak to us, Lord, that you are our provider. You're our deliverer. You're our redeemer. You are everything. Our eyes are on you, Lord, this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let him speak to you now as we're in his presence. Whatever your needs might be, whatever whatever you need to hear, just say, Lord, my ears are tuned in. Speak now. Let him talk to you. Let him share the the words that you need to hear to change your life, change your situation, to give you hope, to give you enthusiasm, To give you the vigor that you'd go out and do the things that he's called you to do. We wouldn't shrink back, but we would be bold and do the work of the Lord. Hear his voice. things going on in our world. And I've asked Pastor Jeff to come and lead us in a prayer for some of the major things. We're not going to cover everything, but, but it's a good reminder there are things that are always needing our, our prayer and our intercession. Pastor Jeff, is, he served in the military. He certainly has experience. He knows what's going on in Afghanistan and other things. He's a chaplain, so he knows about all the needs. So
2: let's join with him and pray. Heavenly Father, we do come before you, Lord. Lord, we know that you are in control of every situation and every detail. So Lord, first off, we just want to lift up our northeast coast, Lord, with the storm that's coming in, dear Lord. We just pray there, Lord, that your hand would touch it, Lord. Lord, as you said in the boat to the storm, peace be still. Lord, we speak that now over New York and New England and all those areas there, Lord. I pray, dear Lord, that that storm would just be removed right now, that it would head back out into the Atlantic and dissipate, Lord. And that, Lord, I pray that people would come together there, helping one another and sharing your love and your faith, dear Lord. Lord, we lift up Haiti with all the uh, disaster relief going there, the four square missions, the four square disaster relief. Lord, we pray that you would touch them. Lord, let them be your arms, your feet, your eyes, your ears, and your mouth. Lord, speak to them people there. Lord, bring peace in that situation, dear Lord. And Lord, we... We lift up what's going on in Afghanistan. Lord, with all the chaos, all the the different things, dear Lord, people are looking at our nation and going, what's going on? Our allies don't understand why we're doing what we're doing. Lord, I pray right now for every American, every American ally, those who helped our military while there, dear Lord. I pray your hedge of protection over them right now. That, Lord, you would just bring them to safety. Lord, allow our military to, to stand strong during this evacuation period, dear Lord. And that, Lord, we will ensure that every person that needs to get out of that country would get out, whether they be French, Australian, Canadian, English, or American dear Lord we pray your head of protection over them and Lord I lift up all the soldiers who served over there dear Lord I pray right now that your peace would come over them with what's going on dear Lord we come against the spirit of suicide over them we come against the attack of the enemy and the lies dear Lord we speak truth we speak life And healing. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. How about a little round of applause for our worship team? Amen? (laughs) Amen. I appreciate the fact that we can always count on them to to lead us into God's presence. You know, they just uh, they do that and they they do it every week. Um, we kind of take it for granted sometimes, but it really is a blessing to have talented, wonderful people that give themselves to, to worship. I've decided to take a break from Colossians for a little while. We'll, we'll go back eventually, but um, I had a few things that I wanted to talk about outside of that. thought I'd change the pace a little. Sometimes... Uh, you know, when you're a preacher, uh, you're always seeing things in Scripture that jump out at you. It's like, I'm, I, I probably ought to talk about this. So I, uh, I've got some things I want to go over with you. And it's not all going to be new, new uh, things that you've never heard before. But it's things that, that we need to know need to understand. We need to operate in, in the, uh, the revealed truth. If we don't understand the truth, it's pretty hard to believe and operate in it. We need to know what the truth is and we need to know how it works. So there's, um, we're going to, I don't know how many pieces uh, to this puzzle there's going to be. We're talking about three things, keys, mysteries, and revelation. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be probably a couple of parts to each one of those, but uh, you never know. So this is part one of keys. And... We're going to read a passage out of uh, Luke. Um, it's Luke 11, 37 through 54. And then we're going to focus on, um, on verse 52. So, Jesus you know, was always talking to crowds. And when he had a crowd, among the crowd, there would be some of the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. And there's another term that um, you probably might not be quite as familiar with, but it's lawyers. And just so you know, lawyers and scribes were basically the same thing. But lawyers were specialists in uh, interpreting the law. So. It says, as, as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in, he sat down to eat. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. And so, you know, Jesus, he, he knew what was in people's hearts and minds. He could, he could understand and discern what they were thinking. And, and he just immediately went right to it and began to address this. It says, the Lord then said to him, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but inward, your inward part, is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather, give alms of such thing as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and you pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. Then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things you reproach us also, like He was something special. The Lord said, Woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch those burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore, the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the temple, yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in, you hindered. And as he said these things, some, some of the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him, seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. So that gives you the whole context of it. Jesus was, he was, basically, he was telling them, as we say sometimes, how the cow ate the cabbage. He was just putting it right out there, plain black and white so there was no confusion. He said, you guys are all worried about the outward stuff. You're all worried about you know, obeying the law perfectly on the outside where everybody can see it so you get credit from all the men. And yet on the inside, you're just filled with rottenness and you don't do anything about that. You got it all backwards. You got it all turned around because God is concerned about our hearts. If your heart is right, then all the our stuff will take care of itself. But if your heart's wrong, the hour stuff, it's just it's like putting a mask on. It covers up who you really are and makes you look like somebody else. You know, around Halloween, they used to. Most of them, they put on scary masks and they want to look like something scary. But most of the masks people wear these days are masks that are just the opposite. I mean, we're f- filled with all kinds of wickedness and wrong, but we put on these masks that makes us look like we're happy and we're all smiling and our lives are perfect and wonderful. That's the way the Pharisees were. It was all all an outward show to them. Now, I'm not saying that every single one of them was in that condition, but generally speaking, they were a very proud group of people and everything they did was based on their knowledge, their wisdom, their skill, and their efforts. And Jesus was saying, you, you got it all backwards. This needs to be based on, on your heart. So we're going we're to be focusing on verse 52. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who are entering in, you hindered. You hindered them. So just to get it on out there in front of you so there's no, no delay, the key of knowledge, the key to knowledge, is Jesus. He is the key to knowledge. And that's what Jesus was saying to the lawyers. He said, you guys, you have studied the scriptures. You have access to everything of knowledge, everything of God's word. You've been trained. You've been taught. You know all the messianic prophecies. You know every scripture about the coming of the Messiah. And what have you done with it? You've taken it away. You don't believe it. You reject it yourself. And all those people who are trying to respond and believe, you're hindering them. You're prohibiting them. You're limiting them. And you're, you're stopping them from entering in. And so he says, woe to you because you're, I mean, you're not just missing out yourself, but even worse than that, you're misleading, misguiding other people. And that's what the Pharisees and the scribes and lawyers and the Sadducees—all those religious leaders—that's that was their response to Jesus. And because Judaism is sort of based in their culture, of a, it's a shame-based culture. And what I mean by that is that they use peer pressure in a real serious way. And if you didn't do what was acceptable in their culture, they would they would make you pay. They would exert pressure on you, and they would say, if you don't straighten up and you don't do what we say, we're going to excommunicate you. We're going to put you out of the synagogue. We're not going to let you be considered a believer. We're not even going to receive you as a, as a child of God because you're not doing what we say. And that's why Jesus talked about them in such negative terms because they they misunderstood everything about God and everything about God's word. They knew the facts, they knew the information, but they didn't know it with their heart. They didn't understand and respond with their hearts. It was all intellectualism. And we see that a lot today. There There's a, uh, a lot of preachers and teachers and seminary professors. It's a lot of intellectualism, a lot of theology and doctrinal issues And there's nothing wrong with any of that in itself, but it needs to be a part of our heart too, not just up here in our brain, just some information. Because information will not change you. But when you begin to take information and apply it to your heart, that will change your life. And that's what we want to shoot for. So Jesus came and he began to immediately tell everybody, you've heard it said this, but I say this, Remember on the uh, the Sermon on the Mount? He he gave them all these differences. Like, okay, this is the way it's been in the past, but I'm ushering in a new revelation, a new way to see the Scripture, a new way to relate to God. Now, it's going to be with your heart and all those other things. It's okay to use them as guides, and it's okay to be aware of them, but it's your heart that matters. Jesus When he ushered in the new covenant, he fulfilled the prophecies that had been uh, stated hundreds and hundreds of years before in Isaiah and Jeremiah, that the new covenant was coming, and that when the new covenant comes, it was going to be a covenant that God would write in our hearts and minds. It wouldn't be on tablets of stone, it wouldn't be in scrolls, it wouldn't be just information, but it would be something that was in your heart because it's applied by the Holy Spirit. It's a new covenant, it's a new way. And Jesus was telling the scribes and the Pharisees and the lawyers, and he was telling all the people, it's gonna be different now. You need to respond with your heart. God always intended for people to respond with their heart, but he laid it out for them in such a way that they could see it and understand it physically and naturally, but he intended for people to respond from their heart. And somewhere along the way, pretty early on, I have a suspicion they began to just get focused on the outward stuff. And we, we have a tendency to say, yeah, those, those dummies, you know, they, they should have known better. But we do the same thing. Sorry, but we do. In churches for years, we've, we've preached and taught certain things about how you should dress and behave and how you should do things. And that's the Holy Spirit's job. I mean, God is big enough to get the message across to you about if your behavior needs to be changed or addressed. I don't mind preaching the Word of God. I don't mind trying to explain it as best I can. And I don't mind talking about the sins that are listed specifically. I don't, you know, There's some things that, yes, we need to talk about. You need to be aware of them. But that's between you and the Lord to work all that salvation out with fear and trembling. That's not for me to tell you how to do it all. I'm here to lead you to, to explain the truth to you so that you can respond to the truth from your heart. And when you respond from your heart, the hour stuff will take care of itself. It just will. If your outward stuff isn't taking care of itself, then you better look at your heart. So Jesus said, Woe to you, lawyers. You've taken away the key to knowledge. I want to read this passage of Scripture, John 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and this man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. He came to the lawyers and the Pharisees and the scribes, all the ones that knew the scripture the ones that should have been looking for his coming, and when he came and began to fulfill that right before their very eyes, they didn't receive him. They rejected him. They were too filled with their own pride and ambition to allow him to be God. But then, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness, We have all received in grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. That's who Jesus is. He is the key to knowledge. He is full of grace and truth. He is the only begotten. He is the Word become flesh. The very living word, he is the key to knowledge. He is the truth. And these lawyers, even though they knew all the scriptures, they just rejected him. And it was because they had hard hearts and God allowed them to have hard hearts. In the same way God allowed Pharaoh to have a hard heart because he wanted to use them to bring about his purposes. He told, he told Moses, he said, I'm going to do all these great miracles, but Pharaoh's going to harden his heart. And when I do this, he's going to harden his heart. When I do this, he's going to harden his heart so that I can show my great glory to everyone and they will know that I am God because I'm going to deliver you from him. He thinks he's God but I'm going to show him who God really is. And that's the way it was with the Pharisees and all the religious leaders. God knew they were going to reject Jesus. And he, he allowed them to have hard hearts. Their hearts weren't open. Some of them were. Nicodemus, he was the one that Jesus had the conversation with in John 3 about being born again. He was a, he was a Pharisee. Um, Joseph of Arimathea, you know, different ones. There there were other Pharisees and scribes that came to believe in Jesus. Because they looked past the surface, their heart was after God, and they weren't in such a hard-hearted condition that they couldn't respond to the truth. And so Jesus is the living word, became flesh among us. He is the key to knowledge. The lawyers knew it. They rejected it. And they didn't just reject it, but they also stopped other people from believing. Because of their resistance, they just pushed and pushed and pushed. And they questioned and they, they complained and they griped and they accused. Sounds like a lot of preachers these days. I hear preachers all the time, you know, talking about other preachers, and I just, I don't think we ought to do that. You know, we ought to, if you don't agree with them, just don't agree with them, but don't go out publicly and, you know, talk bad about them. The Pharisees and the lawyers were constantly attacking Christ in front of the crowds. And and I would say to you, it's because they were legalistic and they were filled with their own pride. They had their own agenda. They didn't care what God wanted to do. They were focused in on what they believed, their traditions, what they had learned, and what they were teaching. And because Jesus was talking about things in a different perspective and he was changing it, he wasn't annulling the word of God. He was just saying, think of it this way. Apply the law, the truth to your heart instead of just the outside. And if you'll do that, then you'll only, you won't just obey, but you'll also, you'll be changed. You'll be transformed. They couldn't go for that because it was contrary to what they believed and what they taught. So they resisted and rejected him. And that was a big hindrance to all the people following him because there were crowds. And every time there's a crowd out there, one of these knuckleheads would say, Hey, Jesus, what about this? And they start questioning Well, Well, what about this? You know, Moses said this. And what... I'm glad we don't have a bunch of hecklers in this crowd. You know, Jesus had a whole, he had a whole group of hecklers that followed him around all the time. But he was able to respond just fine because he, he knew everything. And he even knew what they were going to say before they said it. I mean, he, he had it all together. Jesus was, he was so full of the Spirit. A matter of fact, the Bible says he was filled with the Spirit without measure. He was filled with the Spirit. He heard what God said. He knew what God said. He saw what God was doing. He knew what was going on all the time. Nothing surprised him. We, on the other hand, you know, a lot of life is a surprise to us. More so to some of us than others. If you, you know, you're just kind of like a big bird walking along, you're going to get a lot of surprises. If you're going along with a plan and a purpose, you probably are not going to be quite as surprised about most things. I have to admit, even though I think I know what's going on sometimes, I'm like, wow, I didn't see that coming. I did not see that coming. It happens. But it can, it can happen less and less and less if you're walking in the Spirit. Because the Lord wants to give us revelation and understanding so that we'll be more like Jesus. We won't be surprised all the time. We'll be more like Jesus and we'll know what's going to happen, and we'll already be ready to respond because we already see into the spirit realm and understand what's going on. So the lawyers made the law void by their traditions, and their traditions were basically the expansions of the law. So God says, you know, don't have any other gods before me, and then, man, they started dreaming up all kinds of things. They take that to a whole other level. And then God would say, don't work on the Sabbath. So then they started saying, okay, in order to make sure we're not working, we've got to have a whole list of things, you know, that you can only walk so many many feet, you know, and you can only do this. And they they had a list of things. in every category of the legal system, they had a list that went beyond what God had revealed. That's where you mess up when you start going beyond the revealed word. And you start letting your tradition, what you believe, become more important than what God's word says, you harden your heart like these Pharisees and lawyers. You begin to say, Well, I got it figured out, you know, and these other people are just wrong. My understanding is correct. Correcto mundo. You know, nobody has it all figured out completely and perfectly. I mean, we, I have to admit, as a preacher, and as a teacher, I believe that I understand most things pretty well. And I think my understanding is correct. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to teach it. Uh, yeah, it would be very awkward teaching something that I wasn't convinced of. But I will also tell you that over the years, I've changed what I believe about a lot of things as I've matured and grown in the Lord. And I, I see things differently. And I would also tell you that some of that has to do with... Uh, getting kicked around some, you know, when you, when you go through life and you have problems and failures and times where you experience defeat and setback, it gives you a little different perspective, you know, when I was a Bible college student, man, I was all full of faith, you know, it's all going to be, I'm going to change the world and then you go out there and boom, you know, and you keep me running the mouth, you know, I mean, stuff changes the way you th- you see everything when you go through difficult times, you begin to see things a little differently. Now, I'm not encouraging you and telling you that you ought to use your experience to change your doctrine, but I am telling you that your experience will give you a different perspective on things, and the people in the in the word of faith movement, you know it's all about well, I mean if you can't say just the right things you're you're out of whack, you know well. You let one of them go through some really hard times and let's see how much they're, you know, God's man of faith and power for the hour, you know. <laughs> Problems and struggles have a way of bringing you back to reality. And, and I, man, I am all for believing and proclaiming God's truth and professing positive things. I, I believe we ought to be positive. Christians ought to be the most positive people on the planet. And, but that doesn't mean you have to lie about your circumstances. You can be positive, even though circumstances might be negative. You can say, you know, I know God's with me. I know he's going to bring me through this. I know he's going to deliver me. I don't know how it's going to be, but I'm going to make it. And for those Christians in Afghanistan, you know, grace for them. May God give them grace so that they can do the things that they need to do. And if it comes to it, that they can die with grace. Martyrs have, that's nothing new. The church has had martyrs for centuries and it, was, and it was considered to be an honor, to be a martyr. And God's grace, it might not have delivered them out of martyrdom, but his grace enabled them to endure it and still honor the Lord. That's what grace does. It gives you the ability to do the things that you can't do in your natural strength and understanding. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the truth. Because he is the key to knowledge. Proverbs 4, 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Duh. If wisdom is the principal thing, get some of it, would you? And while you're at it, get some understanding. Get a double dose. You know, get your wisdom and your understanding. That means figure it out and figure out how it works. Jesus is the key to all of that. When he comes and lives in your heart, it's not just the Bible But it's the Bible that's being revealed and explained to you and worked out right in front of you by Jesus living in your heart, making you a new creation. And all things become new, and you're beginning to see things differently. And when you get kicked when you're down, you don't just think about being kicked when you're down. You're thinking, man, God is doing something great in my life. And when I come through this, I'm going to be changed forever. I'm not going to be the same anymore because I've been changed. Because I see that His grace is sufficient for me. Amen. I might get excited. Truth is freeing. John 8, 31 through 30, I'm going to read it to you because it's good. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. See, the Jews didn't all reject him. Matter of fact, almost all the ones that responded to him were Jews. It's just the religious leaders were the ones that had the trouble because they knew too much. They knew too much in their own minds. He said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." They answered him, "We're Abraham's descendants, and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? I'm going to just stop right there for a second. So here's these guys filled with all this knowledge. They know all the scripture. They got all the Old Testament, they got all the prophets minor prophets, major prophets, they got it all. They know the history in First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. They know it all. How can they possibly say, we've never been in bondage? They were in bondage all the time. It started in Egypt, and then, and then all the times that those horrible kings led them astray, they get back in bondage, and then they went off into Babylonian captivity. They lost everything. How can they possibly be truthful in saying, we've never been in bondage? They were so filled with pride they couldn't even see themselves accurately. They couldn't look at themselves honestly. Some of us struggle with that too. We look at our lives and we say, well, I'm not bad. I haven't done all that much wrong. I've got got everything together. I know exactly what's going on. Most of us, we think we know a bunch of stuff, but in reality, we've, we've been in bondage too. If you haven't been in bondage, you're a liar or you're ignorant. If you're not in bondage now, you're probably a liar or you're ignorant. I mean, that's, that's just the way it is. We are walking with the Lord, but we are not perfect. And that means that you have areas in your life where the enemy is trying to either keep you in bondage or bring you back into bondage all the time. It's a struggle that goes on all the time. If you don't recognize that, you're... You're just walking in right into the enemy's plan for your life because that's what he wants. Just like the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the lawyers. He wanted to keep them blind to the truth because then they wouldn't respond to it and they would also hinder other people from responding. That's the way the enemy works. He's always wanting to keep you in bondage. So he goes on and he says, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. The slave does not, have, uh, does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. And he goes on to tell him their father is the devil. He didn't cut him any slack. He was pretty, he was pretty blunt with him. So Jesus is the, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth, and the truth will set you free. He is the living word. He is the key to knowledge, and when we receive him, we give him permission to begin to bring his truth into our hearts and lives and to change us. If we just respond to his truth, he will change us. It will change you forever. He's also the way. Isaiah twenty two twenty two. It's also repeated in Revelation 3, 7, but it says the key of the house of David, I will lay on his shoulder. So he shall open, no one shall shut. And he shall shut, no one shall open. And I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place and he will become a glorious throne to his father's house. And that, was, that was a messianic prophecy. It was talking about Eliakim. He was a king and he was going to do good. And God was saying he's going to be like Jesus. He's going to be a preliminary, short-term thing, but then there's going to come one that's going to rule and reign forever, and that peg, that means that you are nailed down, it is permanent, it is fastened, and there's a place for you, and it's going to be good. Jesus is the key to knowledge. Key of the house of David. He's going to have that key. And By the way, keys in the old days They were were bigger than they are now. You know, you probably have seen some, you know, some antique keys, the big skeleton keys, you know. But the keys like they used back in this day, I mean, they were, you know, three foot long. and They had a big crook in them, and they would literally, they would carry them on their shoulder. That's what it said. I'm going to lay the key of David on his shoulder. He's carrying all, all of the truth. All of our birds, he's carrying it all. Jesus is the key to everything, the key to knowledge, the key to our our peace, the key to everything that we need or do. He is the way. He's also the prophet. Deuteronomy 18:15. It's also repeated in Acts 3 and 7. Says this is uh, Moses talking to the to the children of Israel. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, and him you shall hear, according to all you desire of the Lord your God and Horeb the day of the, on the day of the assembly, saying, "Let me not hear thee again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore, lest I die." So they basically said, "We don't want to hear God anymore. Moses, you just go hear God and tell us what He said because it's too, it's too awesome, we can't stand it. We're forever gonna die. Moses was probably shaking in his boots. Matter of fact, Hebrews says that is, he, was, he was so afraid that he was trembling and shaking, but he just tromped right on into the presence of God. He went right on into the smoke and the fire and the thundering and the lightning because he knew God wasn't gonna kill him, but he was, he was afraid. But he went right in. That's the difference between knowing it in your heart and knowing it in your mind. Because in your mind, God already told him, no man can see me and live. But in his heart, he said, if God's inviting me in, it's going to be okay. See, your heart is a different response than your mind. That's why we've got to start doing things from our heart and not just our intellectual uh, information. It has to be from your heart. Jesus was that prophet. Matter of fact, that's, uh, that was one of the answers that, uh, that he got. He asked the disciples, He said, so who do people say that I am? Well, you know, some say Elijah and some say Moses, some say the prophet. You know, that's who they're talking about, the prophet. They're quoting a messianic prophecy out of uh, the very early days in the Bible. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The life, John 10:10. he's the abundant life. John 6:67 6, through 69, Jesus said to the 12, are you also going to go away? Because he gave them some hard words. Hard words, he said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have any part with me. And they were like, oh, man, that's tough. That's a hard saying. Who can, who can respond to that? And he said, are you going to go away too? Because it says a lot of people didn't follow him anymore. That was too harsh a word for him. Because they were fixed on their mind. They couldn't see it with their heart. If you begin to respond with your heart, everything seems differently. But When you're fixed on what you know in your mind and it's all in your mind, you don't see it the way you've got to see it because you're not seeing it with your heart and your spirit. You're just seeing it with your intellect. Jesus said, do you want to go away also? Simon Peter He may have been a bonehead in a lot of ways, but man, he came up with some good revelations sometimes. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Where else are you going to go? Who else has the words of life? I mean, I've got words, but it's only God's word that are going to give you life. You know, the president of our nation may come out and say something in a speech. He's got words, but they're not going to give you life. Jesus is the only one that has the words of life. So, in all of your getting, get some wisdom and understanding. Figure it out, because the more you figure out that the only true way, truth, and life is in Christ, because He is the key to knowledge. That's the only way you're going to really get any progress in the spiritual world. You can fill your mind with knowledge. You can fill your, your days with all kinds of activities that are good activities. I mean, you can do all kinds of things. But if your heart is not focused in the right direction, it's just a bunch of dead works and it's not going to do any good for you. You're going to end up one day standing before the Lord and there's going to be a big bonfire. <clears throat> Everything's just going to burn up because it's all wood, hay and stubble. You did good things, but you did it with the wrong heart. Jesus is going to say to a lot of people, I never knew you. You did a bunch of stuff, but it was all just a bunch of outward stuff for you. It wasn't your heart. God wants our hearts. Worship team, y'all can come back. Jesus is the key to life. Revelations 1, 17 through 18. When I saw him... I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And by the way, I have the keys of Hades and death. He has the keys. Because he has the keys... He has life. He controls life. He is the giver of life. The world promises you all kinds of things. The world promises you life, peace, happiness, joy. If you just buy this, if you just do this, if you just, you know, blah, 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 whatever. They tell you all that, and, and it, all, it all sounds good. How many of you have, have bought something off of, of an info commercial? You know, they come on their... Just fourteen ninety-five and three easy payments. You know it'll make your life better. You're gonna find that everything you've been missing on is right here in this little gadget. I promise. You're gonna not just this one, but we'll give you five more just to pay the shipping and handling. Give it to your friends. Give it to your family. It sounds good, and you get the thing, and it's a piece of junk usually. Like wow, you know this knife is supposed to be sharp forever, and it won't even cut my finger. You know. Of course, that's probably because I tried it on a nail first. But that's what it said, right? You can cut a nail, and then you can still slice through butter. Yeah, whatever. There is a way that seems right. Man, it's going to lead you the wrong way if it's not the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. He is the way. He's the life. He is the key to knowledge. And if we try any other thing, then we're just not going to be... Going down the right path that's going to lead us to success in our spiritual lives. Amen? All right. Let's worship.
1: Father, make me clean. Wash away the what my life to bring only glory to your name
0: Lord, that's what I pray this morning, is that you you fill us, make us clean. Let us be vessels of honor, vessels that are operated in in your grace, Lord. We're not trying to do things in in our knowledge or our intellectualism, in our natural abilities or our physical strength. I want to do it by your grace, Lord. I want to hear from you and I want to say yes if you have a need this morning, you'd like special prayer, you can come and we'll, somebody will meet you at the altar and pray for you. If you, if you need to make Jesus Lord or you want to you wanna rededicate, you want to make a commitment to him, say, Lord, I, I recognize that I've been, I've been operating in my flesh a lot. I've been doing it with my mind, but I want to I wanna transition and begin to follow you with my heart, not just my intellectual knowledge. You wanna make a change like that, somebody can pray with you. We'll meet you at the altar and we'll, we'll pray with you and encourage you. God wants to change us. Every time we come together, God wants to change us. We don't just do this just to have fun, although it is fun. But we do this so God can change us. And I'm not trying to beg you and pro, pro, uh, prod you and get you to the altar. I'm just saying if you, if you have a desire to change and be different. Sometimes letting people pray with you is a good step. The fact that you're willing to step out of the aisle and come down shows that you're humbling yourself and God will honor that. He sees your heart. He knows what's going on in your heart. So if you want to come we'll meet you at the altar and pray with you. truth the key to knowledge lord we want to build our lives on you that knowledge you are the way the truth and the life thank you lord thank you lord lord bless your people go with us and watch over us this week and give us a great week and stir us up lord so that that we would go out not just go out smiling but we'd go out talking too, talking about you talking about your goodness everywhere we go the people be hearing about the goodness of god goodness of god that's running after us it's chasing us down
1: yes,
0: thank you, Jesus. hallelujah all my life you have been faithful all my life you've been so good lord thank you, thank you Jesus. i want to talk about it i want to tell people about it may the lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and grant you His perfect peace. Go and be blessed. Have a great week. And uh, if you're part of that quarrel team, don't go away. We need you.